<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Let's say you, Richard Ellick Murdoch, are you guilty or not guilty of the felonies wherein you stand and die? Not guilty. How shall you be tried? By God and my country. The exact time when Paul and Maggie Murdoch were murdered. At the end of the investigation, it was obvious. I'm not here to work with them. Okay? And the whole point is to have this not fall into the wrong hands. This case is unique, it's unprecedented in South Carolina history. are people that lost their mother, that lost their sister. The Plyler sisters lost their mother and brother. Arthur Badger lost his wife and was left to raise five kids, and you heard $1.3 million. He didn't get that money for 10 years. Do you know what it would have meant to that man to raise five kids with an additional $1.3 million? Thomas Moore! that Mr. Wooders talked about. A state trooper. He stole $125,000 from a state trooper. The man needed the money to retire. He couldn't retire because he had to pay back medical bills because he didn't have the $125,000. But that money is still out there and he knows where it is. He didn't spend all that money on drugs. If he wants to be accountable, he wants to be uh, contrite, he ought to tell these people where their money is. That's not going to happen. The same as he's not going to lay in bed at night and think about the wrongs and feel sorry for what he did. I really don't have words. You lied, you cheated, you stole, um, you betrayed me and my family and everybody else. And you did it at a cost of my mom's death, first of all. Um, you a couple of Octobers ago, you wrote a half-hearted, I'm sorry letter, um, which was half-hearted because you're actually just not following through that. You're really sorry. Um, so I'm going to read you. I have an apology. I'm sorry that you feel like you had to betray us, steal from us, cheat us, and lie to us. Um, I'm sorry that your family has to now go through what they're going to have to go through the rest of their life because of your actions, of what you did. Um, but I want you to know that I forgive you. Um, I will pray for you every day. Welcome to Unsolved South Carolina, the Murdochs, Murders, Money, and Mystery. I'm Ann Emerson. I'm joined today by our exclusive legal analyst and South Carolina's former Attorney General, Charlie Condon. Our executive producer, Drew Tripp, is joining us. And this podcast is to take us through what we experienced yesterday, which is no small feat. It was a sentencing hearing that was, again, 
the words come to mind unprecedented, extraordinary, and we really are going to try and break down some of the moments of the sentencing of Alec Murdoch for these 101 financial crimes that he was accused of and, and how it all, all came to be. The course of conduct that we've identified through all of those exhibits lasting for all that time period involving so many victims in amounts that may have been insignificant to him but were massive to them. The wreckage that he has left through the legal system, the distrust of the legal system that he has caused, deserve a singular accountability more than anyone has ever heard of. Now, one thing is that we want to talk about a little bit about this plea deal in itself. The plea deal came about, uh, to a lot of us, sort of abruptly because we were expecting uh, the day before the sentencing, which was yesterday, that we were expecting to be going into a trial, mm -hmm. the first trial for the financial crimes. And instead of that, we found out pretty late in the game, about a week ago, that there was actually going to be this massive plea deal with Alec Murdoch. Uh, so Charlie, talk to me a little bit about what this plea deal is. Uh, why would they negotiate a plea deal with them? And then we can kind of talk about what, what happened. Great question. Set the stage. The state of South Carolina, Attorney General Alan Wilson specifically said that they were always going to go for a life sentence for these financial crimes, which they could do. I think relatively easily. Let me put a footnote on that and come back to that by prosecuting them in a certain order so that you have three separate convictions, say for breach of trust over 10,000, that would qualify. Have three of those, he's in for life, no possibility of parole. He talked about as, that as being an insurance policy against the possibility of the, of the murder convictions being overturned. So that was always the, had been the public statement from mm -hmm. the Attorney General's office. Little did we know as this case was being set. Remember they filed motions to recuse Judge Newman. Mm -hmm. They filed motions for change the of venue. The defense seemed to. defense did. Right. It looked as if it was set for a trial. It looked like a, it was going to be a, um, a, another Murdoch jury trial in, in, in Beaufort County a couple of days ago starting. Well, apparently behind the scenes, and Eric Bland referenced this, and he said it was a Judge Newman's urging to see if there could be some sort of a compromise. Uh, he referenced that in his press conference, Attorney Bland. But the, apparently what then happened was there was this back and forth on what number could the defense live with relative to the state offering uh, a plea deal. And what ended up in the back and forth, and I have some, I think, some interesting information on that. What ended up on the back and forth was this agreed upon negotiated sentence of 27 years with the parole eligibility being stipulated at 85%. That was the back and forth, and that was the agreement. And what was really, I think, uh, maybe not fully appreciated by many was at the sentencing hearing that Judge Newman had, it wasn't an issue of what the sentence would be. That never was an issue. The only issue is whether Judge Newman would reject the negotiated plea, mm -hmm. which I thought was going to be highly unlikely given the, the backdrop to how we, how we got there. And so both sides, state and defense, were arguing, please, Judge, accept this 27-year negotiated sentence. Now, I had a chance to talk with Attorney Hart Putlian because I did think both sides, I do think, both sides can claim victory. The state can say they've gotten a lot, and they, the reason, the policy reasons they gave for the, for, for the negotiated plea would be the spirit of the expense to, the, to these counties, 
which would be substantial to these relatively small counties, and also the certainty of result and that wouldn't and would spare a, the victims the um, the, the pain of, the pain of a retrial of a, of a trial going through all that. That was the and they didn't have the agreement from most of the victims. There were some victims that did in fact disagree with it, but not many. So the majority did in fact, the overwhelming majority agreed with it. But what Attorney Portland told me, which I thought was interesting, because I did ask him, because they can claim, rightfully I think so, that there is a possibility now for, attorney, for former Attorney Murdoch to get out of prison while he's alive. You may say it's not likely, but as I do the math, he would be in his mid-70s, something like that, well, if the, the murder conviction is overturned. And not only that, they were saying, you know, we're talking at a 27-year sentence, so we're mm -hmm. talking 22 years um, behind bars. But, Drew, there was also a lot of talk about what that number looked like um, that we're still deciding, right? There's still things up in the air in this plea deal. What, was, what, what were they talking about as time served goes that you understood? Well, the... The application of time served, credit for time served, would essentially mean Murdoch's sentence starts retroactive to when he first went into jail back in October 2021. And then you would calculate the 85% of 27 years from that start date, October 2021, and move forward. 85% um, of 27, no matter how you cut it, is about 22.9 years. Um, then with the time served, uh, that factoring in, what's left up for debate there is how much credit for time served he actually gets. Does he get credit for every day he's been behind bars since October 2021? Or does he only get credit in this particular sentence for the financial crimes negotiated sentence and plea agreement? Does he only get credit up to the point of when he was convicted of the murders. That is the state's contention. That's mm -hmm. the prosecution's mm -hmm. figure they're using. I think they said yesterday 505 days, which would be from early, I think, October 4th, 2021, the day Alec Murdoch went behind bars, hasn't gotten out since, up until he was sentenced on the murder convictions March 3rd, 2023. It's the state's belief that he is not entitled to time served after March of this year because he's serving a sentence for another crime. Sentencing for another crime should not count toward his time served on different crimes. That's, that's the whole point. And it, what it boils down to is still to be decided, does Murdoch get essentially credit for 18 months behind bars, 18 months in jail prior to the sentence, or does he get credit for the full two years in, in jail slash prison right. for, right. for that. The state's contention is he's, he's only going to get the 500-something days. Right. Uh, and, and Dick's they think arguing the law, for more. Right, right, right. Dick is arguing for more, right. and right. The, the law supports, according to the state, the law supports only up until March of this year. <sighs> then, yeah, with the 85%, and uh, they, Creighton Waters made a, a, a kind of a mildly sarcastic point about this yesterday. Uh, he could also get credit for good behavior and things like that, uh, earn, earn credits along the way that would keep his sentence pretty close and tight to that full 85%. Because yeah, he's, he's not going to get out before 
he serves that 85% no matter what. Oh, we're, right. And we're talking about one of the biggest scoundrels in the history of uh, the United States of America, by the way. <laughs> so and his idea of being able to be good in prison and not do anything that could jeopardize that extra five years or so? Yeah, may so not happen. Might not, but might I was going to say, let me mention before I forget to, to mention this too, what, what Attorney Hart Pooling told me, he thought the state was willing to reduce it is because they were going to be entitled to individual questioning of potential jurors and that the jury jury would be uh, sequestered, and so another cost to the county. He thought that was a factor in the decision. I don't know if it did or not, but it was interesting to talk to really, or in effect get views from both sides because both sides, I think, do, do say that they're happy with the result. Sure. Now, whether that's uh, public policy pronouncements or actual fact, I don't know, but that's what they say. Well, and there's another thing as well that, that was not resolved and still has to be talked about, right, is the restitution. Uh, granted, Murdoch doesn't have much money left, and there isn't much to go around, and there's plenty of rumors and speculation about whether or not they have found the Murdoch fortune, mm -hmm. you know, that, that'll probably go down in, in conspiracy uh, theories for the rest of time as far as what happened to Alec Murdoch's millions. I already see articles coming out about it, which is fascinating. But uh, the, the idea that restitution for these victims, who that is a real sticking point, you know, because some of them really didn't get True. I don't see how they money. get paid, do you? I don't see how they get any money going forward. I, I don't. Um, and again, we, we, we've gone over this, but to set the stage, the first in line as far as victims getting their money are those who've sued um, and ha had these civil litigations mm -hmm. preceding the criminal charges. That have, uh, that, that's all gone and settled now. Uh, what money they've gotten from other what money they've gotten from other sources uh, is pretty much the bulk of what they're going to get because at the end of the day, all that's left that is specifically in Alec Murdoch's name is about 105, excuse me, 1.5 million dollars in assets in, in liquid cash that they can be divvied up then between numerous Lots of people. people with claims right. against the in civil civil court. Once that's gone, how are we paying restitution? What's left? Uh, you, not only do you have state restitution, which they calculated yesterday about, he owes about four, four million um, at least uh, outstanding. I, that might be a little nebulous there. Uh, the, the tally that we got, the f most firm tally we've seen so far and the most outrageous we've seen so far was the state's estimation that approximately $12.4 million in losses and thefts were directly attributable to Alec Murdoch. Wow. And of that, Murdoch's former law firm says it has paid back about $8.5 million out of its coffers uh, to his various victims in attempts to um, cover the money that was taken. I won't use the phrase make them whole, uh, because as Creighton Waters pointed out yesterday in his, in his press statements there in Buford, we're not making, nobody is making those people whole. So where, where is the money coming from? Oh, by the way, he's also got federal restitution. Right. He, like right. Yeah, yeah uh, and the federal cases are outstanding too. The federal cases too, are still the, outstanding. Right, yeah, so it's possible those could be consecutive, and the roadside shooting's still open, but 
there was no mention of a trial date for the roadside shooting. So who no, knows what it did happens. not sound like they wanted to mm -hmm. deal with that whole mm -hmm. mess mm -hmm. yet. The roadside shooting, of course, is uh, sort of where it was the Labor Day shooting that what Eddie precipitated um, the the real mm -hmm. you know the the charges going into jail, all of this you know starting to be incarcerated, all of this start, starting with Alec Murdoch. Um, seeing him in these hearings, court hearings, it was really the beginning of the end. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, so they, they come up with this, this number that's soaring over $12 million now. So what did these victims have that, that they were able to do in this sentencing? And, again, the word unprecedented, unbelievable. I, you know, Charlie, have you ever seen, like, the level of not only interaction between the victims who were finally unleashed in their ability to express this raw emotion, tell their stories of how they knew Alec, really wanted us to know how much pain they were in mm -hmm. and for how long they had been in pain. Um, I, I, I know that that is the whole point of the victim statement, but what, what struck you about Well, what struck me was the rule book was thrown out the window at, at yeah. this procedure. Um, I've been to hundreds of these and have been participated, I guess, I think, in over the decades, probably hundreds. And the rules are that the, and Attorney Harputlin brought this up initially, but he abandoned it pretty quickly. But the rules are that you're only to address the court with what you've got to say. And I have seen some victims turn and, or the defendant turn, make an apology. It's very brief. But what in fact ended up happening, I've never seen this. It was, really a question and answering going on a lot between the defendant and some of the victims. Mm -hmm. Direct answering and direct questioning. For example, the one time that uh, Defendant Murdoch invited uh, Jordan the, Jinx? Yeah, to, to visit him in prison. And he took up the invitation. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the back and forth there. I, you, you, do, you don't see that. And I think what was going on here from, a, I suppose, a, a, a realistic um, perception of what, what was going on the sentence was set. Everyone knew what the result was going to be. So let's everyone have a bit of a free-for-all. Let them, cathartic was the word I think I heard yeah. from you earlier. That's a good word because I think that's what, what, what happened. And Defendant Murdoch was given unprecedented leeway, wasn't mm -hmm. he? He was mm -hmm. allowed to speak on all sorts of topics. And I timed it, 49 minutes. Yeah. And many of the topics were unrelated to the case before the court. So it was, it was unprecedented in my view. Yeah, and I think I, I definitely want to, um, you know, play a clip uh, of that moment. I mean, Jordan Jinx bared his soul. He mm -hmm. felt like Alec Murdoch was his best friend, that they had gone through so much, these hunting trips, that he was so close to Maggie. Mm -hmm. And and he even called him Papa. We really hadn't heard mm -hmm. anybody else call Paul right. Papa mm -hmm. before, not even John Marvin, mm -hmm. Alec's brother. So you really felt this intimacy as it was going through and this raw how could you do this to me why was why were the victims never allowed to sort of unleash before this like i felt like this was the first time we'd really gotten a chance is that what that is the point of the sentencing right well, under the, but uh, under the civil suits we've never seen anything like this true probably doesn't allow for as, as an open you know, under victimsville rights here in south carolina and you know point of personal privilege that's in the state constitution uh, as part of my effort as attorney general that's, that was we, yours right mm -hmm. that was you that doing was. that i campaigned on that and we got yeah. it in the state constitution so as a result of 
of, of that constitutional right. Victims are to be informed of what's going on in court, and they have a right to speak. They don't have a veto power over decisions by the state. So even if some of the victims uh, vociferously objected, which no one really did, the judge still would be free to do what he felt was appropriate. So they have, but they have a chance to speak. And that, generally speaking, is they're given like lots of leeway with that mm -hmm. just because it's, you know, the victims. Mm -hmm. And Judge Newman recognized the ability to have their attorneys speak, which I thought was proper. So that, that, that would be normal. But what I thought was highly unusual was the fact that these victims would start addressing things to the defendant in question and answer format, and he would answer them. Like, and, why? Yes, and, and then when he got up, defendant Murdoch, we had this, it almost seemed like a town hall meeting of sorts in a way by him, where he just, obviously I think he practiced it. I do oh, think yeah. he was insincere in his sincere apologies. Uh, I do think that um, uh, it, 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 he said so many sorrys, I think it came across as, as, as trite and wasn't really meaningful. And I think Judge Newman recognized that. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. But we had this 49 minutes of him, had his notes, he was uncuffed, the court allowed him to be uncuffed so he could hold his notes, and you could tell it would trigger his, his spiel, what he wanted to say on that particular topic. And it was, what do you think, maybe 40 or 50 topics he went through and who he apologized to? And he also had an infomercial for drug treatment at some mm -hmm. point. Where uh, it was something. It, it was pure stump speech. It was pure uh, propaganda is probably not the right word, but spin. Spin mm -hmm. is what it was, and it was Murdoch's first time getting to speak to the world um, and have access to an open microphone and broadcast airwaves where he could say exactly what he wanted. And, uh, and nobody stopped him. Uh, yeah, that was... That was I'm going to say it's strategic by the state, right? Don't you think this, the state could have objected? It was off target, off track, what would be allowable? But I'm thinking that... Prosecutor Waters probably was thinking that let him talk. There may be some admissions that he might make that we can use in the future. I don't know. I mean, that strategy worked for him the first go round in the first go round in the murder trial. It did. I, some very um, tell, uh, telling body language yesterday. I, I, uh, Creighton Waters. I don't know if this was coming through clearly on the states or on court TV's video presentation. Creighton Waters was turned and had his arms crossed, looking right at Alec Murdoch, or had his chin rested on his hand, looking at, right at Alec the whole time he was talking. And I, I think I, I noted that last week when Dick was giving Creighton the same, uh, giving Creighton a level of respect there, whereas Jim Griffin sat kind of with his head down, not looking and entertaining all of Alec's little uh, quizzes and... Uh, yeah. Questions and whispers. Jim Griffin just sat there with uh, the increasingly exasperated and exhausted looks on his face while Alec continued to pester him. Harpoolian was giving Griffin his full 
attention or oh, harpooly okay. was given uh, Waters his full attention and it went sort of vice versa. Here you saw Waters, he was hanging on every word. He was looking Alec dead in the eye while Alec is going on this and he, he didn't interrupt. Uh, it mm -hmm. was, he, he let him say his piece. And again, like with the murder trial, I think it was a clear instance to your point, Charlie, of letting the suspect, letting the defendant sort of bury himself because uh, mm -hmm. the, there was there was no contrition it, it was it shouldn't have gone on that long I, I'm, it's just my opinion on it it probably should have been stopped because it was it got absurd um, it, it one of the things that just came to mind when you said that to let him go on and on and on and, and something that we heard over and over again in the Murdoch trial during the double murder trial was what we didn't hear or what we didn't see. Mm -hmm. And what we noted after this uh, sentencing was that despite this free reign to speak as long as he wanted to and apologize to everybody, I even think at one point he made some kind of strange apology to, you know, to something according to the media or something. Like he, everybody was getting an, I'm sorry that you did this or that or that I, a lot of, it's important to me, mm -hmm. which was interesting. Right. He probably said, it's important to me that I say this over and over again. But, but what really struck out to me was that he never uttered an apology, even for their deaths or that somehow they died in the middle of the, all of this, even if he truly believed there was somebody else out there that had committed these heinous murders for Maggie and Paul, not once did he apologize or say he was sorry about Maggie and Paul. He never said that. And that's where I think could come back if we hear uh, Prosecutor Waters talking about this again is, once again, we let him go for 49 minutes did he ever mention saying he was sorry that they died? Mm -hmm. Nope. Sorry to Buster. Sorry to his brothers. Sorry to his dad and his grandfather. He was sorry to his father-in-law. And there were dead people in Cousins. there. Yeah. yeah. His it, father and his grandfather were dead. He was, he sorry. was sorry, he, sorry for them. He was sorry to the victims, but he was mostly sorry to his family. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I am so very sorry. And I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, I thought, and we'll we'll add this in uh, as a as a, a breakout piece here. Uh, but uh, Ginger had one. I thought she, Ginger is Gloria Satterfield's sister. Um, she had a really. I thought she had a prepared speech, and then at the end of her prepared speech she just went off the cuff and it was really biting and really piercing where she just said, Alec, you did come from a good family. I, I don't understand this. And I, she said essentially that he had no soul uh, because she made the point that you threw all this away. And my heart goes out not only to my family, but today to hear all these families that you did wrong by. Those children that you stole from everything they lost a mother and you stole every dime from them I just don't understand did you not have a soul I don't get it Alec I can't understand it and I thank God maybe that I don't understand it because then I might be in the same situation as you I just don't get it and I guess I never will get it so hopefully God will forgive you because you're going to need forgiveness 
I just don't know. I'm, I'm lost for words, Alec. You are not the person that I thought I knew. And you come from a good family, but you wasted your life. And I hate you did your family the way you did. Because you do come from a good family. And I'm sorry you threw your life away. Uh, Ronnie Richter, uh, who is, represents the Satterfield family, he also made that point. And I've made that point as well going back to February, March of this year. What's hardest for me as someone who comes from the same part of the world, the same sort of general sphere as uh, Alec Murdoch, the, 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 the idea that he was a rural South Carolina, uh, South Carolina male role model in that he had it all. He had the money, he had the boats, he had the guns, he had the hunting, he had the uh, just everything. You, a country right. boy's like a country boy's ideal, and it went beyond that. It is just to the idea of the 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 good old nuclear Southern family, which which Ginger was speaking to. Uh, he did come from somewhat of a respected, not somewhat a respected, maybe perhaps feared family. But <laughs> I spoke to someone. Um, I spoke to someone after all that got over with yesterday. Someone who is in the legal community, and they were just going on about how absurd even some of that was. Um, that Murdoch was again trying to repaint the narrative or repaint the portrait, uh, reclaim his family's reputation somehow through his own mouth and his words when. What weight do they carry anymore? Right. He's a yeah, noted that liar. Was sad, yeah. uh, he, somebody, they're like, his grandfather was a crook. He's like, he's like, he was one of the most corrupt. That was the that was what it was told to me. He's one of the most corrupt solicitors in the state. He was notorious, and, and all these things like jury tampering and uh, moonshining, and uh, <laughs> like this was this was part of his uh, playbook. I mean, these aren't my words, but this is been out there in a lot of these accusations and you have to take a lot so much of it with the context and the the grain of proverbial salt that it deserves and that makes so much of what we heard yesterday all the more maddening and why did it why did it go on why was it allowed to go on and I, I, I we'd hope that there is something that more that comes of that but mm-hmm. and it was powerful I mean the victims she was great, and but they all talked about forgiveness, didn't they? Almost mm-hmm. to a person. I think they did. That I think was there really was a something. lot of forgiveness. There was a lot of uh, steeped in a lot of religious mm-hmm. um, thought. Mm-hmm. Um, they had they had obviously prayed over it mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. through their families and their churches and their community, and and that was very touching uh, to be able to forgive Alec. I don't think you can ever underestimate the charisma and and pull that Alec Murdoch had as mm-hmm. well. Um, he was trying to do it again yesterday. He was trying to pull them back into his sphere and take the power again. For him, I think, um, and his personality, um, as it is looked at over, over time, um, that he that power and control is incredibly important for him. And if he could take that for just a minute in that courtroom, then, then he succeeded. I agree. I agree. And um, if you step back too, he's there standing in this bright orange jumpsuit. Right. Convicted of double homicide, pleading guilty to these horrendous crimes, and yet he thought that he could 
master of the moment, would you say? Yeah. That he could turn it into a plus for him? Hubris. He, ta he talked about Judge, Judge Hillman. He'll do good deeds going forward, and he apologized to everybody. It, you know, when you reflect upon it, it was, um, it fits, right? I mean, mm, one of the victims absolutely. said the same thing. He says, now that I see what you've done here with these financial crimes, I, I can see how you could have committed these murders. Oh, yeah. Jordan Jinks, when mm -hmm. he said that. That was incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. he, I, I was amazed over and over again at how these victims were able to really express mm -hmm. how they felt mm -hmm. um, about Alec and about this kind of situation. Yes. Uh, and, and yes, I don't think you can underestimate his ability to con, <laughs> wow. you know, and, yeah, and right. the con just kept on going it yesterday. Did. It did. One that one that really stuck out to me that might get lost in the shuffle, because it happened after that long lunch break, was the uh, of another victim who we'd heard very little about, and I, mm -hmm. I thought that was a point well made yesterday by Creighton Waters, Eric Bland, mm -hmm. Justin Bamberg. All the victims we had who have not gotten the attention in this case. So everybody is familiar with the Satterfields. Everybody is familiar uh, at this point with the Badgers, the Pinkneys, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the Pyler sister, sisters. Yeah. There were so many more. There were so many more. And yeah. one of those was uh, the the Blondell Gary case. Um, and she yes, yeah. was uh -huh. a. Uh -huh. We learned she died in an ambulance accident uh, on Old Sheldon Road. Uh, if you. If you're familiar with the Buford area, uh, that's the that's the kind of the back way to get down to Buford. Um, Taking Old Sheldon Church Road, mm -hmm. uh, it's a very narrow, tree-lined, oak-lined, um, dark. It, it, an accident there is uh, not a not a it's like happy, John's Island. Bad. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to look for a euphemism, and Charlie's getting to the point. It's bad. Um, I, in fact. Uh, I lost two, uh, this was well before I was born, but my grandmother lost oh. two brothers on Old Sheldon Road yeah, uh, in, a, in a crash mm -hmm. in the 60s. It was Blondell Gary's daughter came in after the lunch break and was talking about how, how she got, how they all got roped into this. And it was through that trust, it was through that power that he wielded. She said, Miss P, as in Pamela Pinckney, she recommended mm -hmm. Alec Murdoch mm -hmm. to her after losing her mother, mm -hmm. and she trusted him. They went and they trusted him implicitly, and uh, I thought the, the most apt thing I heard all day yesterday was predator. Mm -hmm. Predator-prey relationship. He was a predator. He was preying upon these people. He was preying upon his, uh, by by all accounts, one of his dearest friends in Jordan Jenks. Mm -hmm. These people who were vulnerable and they trusted him and he preyed upon that viciously. Yeah, to your point, yeah. I've got a visual here. I know folks who are listening can't, can't see this, but I, the clerk of court, statewide grand jury, uh, Peggy Selfie does a great job, kindly sent me the indictments in this case. Mm -hmm. And you're right, I went through them, and, and as well as the, uh, the plea agreement. And the... <laughs> The weight, the weight of the paperwork that I'm holding on these indictments and the lives that have been brutally impacted in a very negative fashion, it's just stunning. Well, and, and to that point, like, the, the, the only word for it is incredibly selfish way that he spent that money, right? Mm -hmm. Not 
not even talking about all the drugs and and that wherever the the drugs went or mm-hmm. the money for the drugs mm-hmm. went there was all these personal loans to his dad to his uh, or you know paying back his dad for money that he got from him and for getting you know various uh, yeah what do you, that's a good you know it's a good point what, what do you make of his uh, I use it as an excuse but his his talk about it being related to drugs oh well and, and he made a very clear point about that too he said the only thing that sound that was new that I, I hadn't actually really mm-hmm. heard them say this before was that he felt like he was taking more drugs because he needed the drugs to kind of lower his anxiety for what he was doing well, to these folks. Yeah. What do I think about that? I think that we still are trying to figure out how many drugs he really took. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that mm-hmm. no one has felt comfortable with mm-hmm. yet. I mean, that, that was his theme too, wasn't it? Was But for the drugs, I would be the nice Alec Murdoch that everybody really knew or yeah. should have known. What do and you think of that? I, I think that that's bogus. Convenient. Uh, I think it's bogus, <laughs> and I think uh, Mark Tinsley was apt to see through that and call out, where's the rest of the money, Alec? And I thought Judge Newman was uh, powerful and, again, apt to, at the end of it, say, I hear what you're saying, I hear the words that are coming out of your mouth, but I'm looking into your eyes and I see nothing. Um, again, I, what a moment. I, don't, I don't doubt for one second that Alec Murdoch was abusing pills, yeah, and yeah. probably egregiously so. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That was a moment. Shout out to Judge Newman. I mean, he did announce this was his last case revol- involving the Murdochs. Incredible, and too. handled himself just so well throughout the whole process. Uh, the Sensing patience. hearing included. He was just, uh, he's just a terrific judge. Too bad that uh, we can't see him a lot more, and too bad we don't have a lot more like him on the bench in South Carolina. I couldn't agree more. To be able to hear Judge Newman wrap it up, and I, and and also when he said, you know, you're going to go to prison, mm-hmm. you're going back to prison. When this day is over, I close this chapter, mm-hmm. I turn the page, and I walk off into the mm-hmm. sunset mm-hmm. because he is retiring, and in just a matter of, mm-hmm. you know, a few weeks, of mm-hmm. several days, you know, he he has left to his his work and um, because he's decided to recuse mm-hmm. uh, himself and to to not be part of the whatever goes forward with the murder trial. Right, right. The retrial hearings, hearing. not murder trial, but retrial yeah, hearing. Yeah, we have that. Well, that's why we got so picky about how much time he had to serve too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's this like extraordinary thought out there that, you know, two life sentences isn't enough. <laughs> yeah. You know, all we know is that there's going to be an evidentiary hearing. Mm-hmm. Sure, there may be a retrial, but that's a, mm-hmm. that, that, that could be three years from now. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. If they get, if they get a, a, a new trial. That's, stay tuned, right? I mean, the, uh, the Murdoch case continues, even though these financial crimes are, are wrapped up. We have a sentencing in federal court. Roadside shooting probably doesn't get prosecuted. But what is definitely looming and the defense referenced this, they're going to focus on their attention on this, is they've got, they view it as an opportunity to have a hearing to prove that they should be entitled to a new trial on the murder convictions. Wow. Well, uh, on, that, on that note, and I will apologize for looking at my phone here, but I want to give a full rundown. I took the time to get this confirmed this morning. Of, I'll just be honest. Uh, it, I'm, I'm weary. I think we all are. Of, you of got all murder of, fat- uh, Murdoch fatigue? Yeah, Murdoch, fat- Murdoch fatigue. We're, we're, <laughs> we're looking for the light at the end of the tunnel. And 
here is what is left. Um, here's what's left unresolved right now. Uh, the big one, as Charlie just referenced, the big one is the murder retrial, uh, the petition for the petition for a retrial and the hearing on that. Don't know when that's going to do. Let me let me set the stage also. And, and here's something that I don't know the answer to. Was Judge Newman's recusal everything else besides mur besides the financial stuff? Uh, or in that he's not he's now no longer presiding over Russell Lafitte as well. Is that how I'm uh, to take that? Uh, is he now now no longer presiding over? the county grand jury charges um, for the roadside shooting? Is he not presiding over that? That's a question I'm, I'm asking in real time, and I don't know that any of us three have not had the answer to, so we'll get to work on that after. <laughs> as, you're, as you're listening to this, as you're listening to this, uh, you'll understand that I, I have tried to fact check myself on that, and I've dug myself into a little hole here. But that in, um, that in itself is going to present an Quit issue. Quit digging, right? Yeah, that in itself is going to present an issue if we're looking for a new judge. Uh, and who's going to preside, and how long is that going to take? And then that leads into what's left, and who, if that judge will then that same judge will then preside over all these outstanding. Yeah, that's fascinating things. because what I think is happening behind the scenes. I'm assuming that Chief Justice Beatty, who is retiring soon, yes, he is, will make yeah. the call, and whoever judge will agree to it, or whoever he picks, that judge is going to be famous nationally and perhaps mm -hmm. internationally. So instantaneously, uh, yeah. and, and they know it. <laughs> right. They know it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very much so. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So... Here's what we got. Murder retrial, and then if the retrial is not granted, there's still the pending appeal con uh, conviction appeal mm -hmm. in and of itself that has to go back to the Court of Appeals. Mm -hmm. We then have the Alec Murdoch, Eddie Smith, County, Hampton County indictments for the roadside shooting, the attempted life insurance fraud scam, the uh, botched assisted suicide or staged assisted suicide, depending on what comes out of that, what we find out more. We have Russ Lafitte's state fraud charges, um, which I would assume he's, this is like Murdoch. What course does he have now at this point to, what are the choice, but then to plead guilty? It's the same substantive charges that he's already been convicted of in federal court and all of his appeals have been denied. Well, it, yeah. not totally denied. The full appeal is in, in federal is still pending. But I, I would assume that we're probably going to see a some sort of a plea agreement there and try. And after what happened with Corey Fleming, it might not be too much to think that they're going to try to work on some negotiated sentence there, so that they don't get they stuck. don't get blindsided mm -hmm. like Corey Fleming exactly. did, where Judge mm -hmm. Newman said, "Oh, you want." Same federal sentence you got? Yeah, sorry, pal. Here's another seven uh, to go on top of that. So we have Russell Lafitte state charges. We also, speaking of Corey Fleming, we have his appeal of his state plea agreement sentencing. Um, we have Eddie Smith's Colleton County drug trafficking charges that were part of his arrest mm -hmm. uh, back in 2021. Um, 
we have the two, and then we finally have the two downstream Eddie Smith, Murdoch Associates, the guys who were tied to the drug trafficking. That would be Jerry Rivers and Spencer Roberts. Who's, uh, Spencer Roberts, I learned this morning, and maybe, Ann, you knew this, uh, but I, it had, I had missed it somehow. Spencer Roberts has pleaded guilty. Uh, oh, we knew okay. Jerry Rivers did. Yeah. We knew Jerry Rivers did earlier this year. Spencer Roberts also has pleaded guilty. Okay. Um, and briefly, if you're not familiar with those, the, again, Spencer Roberts was, uh, they were looking for his phone in connection to Eddie Smith, in connection to Alec Murdoch, trying to figure out where the drugs and money were going. Jerry Rivers is accused of taking Spencer Roberts' phone and hiding it, obstructing justice, basically, uh, and messing with that investigation. Um, both of them got brought up additionally on trafficking, uh, money laundering, and fraud charges uh, related to like PPP loans uh, during the pandemic. So that's kind of everything from the oh, state's okay. purview uh, that's still outstanding. A lot. Yeah, it, it is, but a lot of it, if you think about it, it, it's not incredibly high priority. And I think Creighton Waters made that point yesterday, right. uh, abundantly clear. Like, yeah, we still have a few things, but... I, I don't see any more trials happening. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably right. They're I moving think the on. retrial hearing is what everybody is, all of that focus is just moving into that sphere. Yeah. To make sure from the prosecution, uh, they want to make sure that this doesn't go through, that they're able to squash this. Um, and then from the, from the defense that this is going to be what gets them their next card. I agree. I agree. Um, and I talked to Dick Harputlian as well, like before we started the sentencing. And now in, in hindsight, I think he was, he was, I think he was preparing us for um, quite a, quite a spiel from his mm -hmm. defendant, Alec Murdoch, because he was like, there's, you're going to see something here today, which I thought was we interesting. Did. But um, when, when I was talking to him about this evidentiary hearing on the jury tampering allegations, he was um, confident that they would be having it sometime in February mm -hmm. and that that would be with a different um, court. As it, I mean, in, in Colleton County, right. but of course not with um, the clerk there, Becky Hill, who is at the center of all of this, and we won't have the It'll judge. be a different clerk and a different judge. Uh, she, he was confident that that's how it would go Somebody down. Somebody else would be an acting clerk. Someone else would be coming Any comment in. on her son being arrested? No, he did not. He did not I don't give us a fill with but you. that's but yeah that's a <laughs> that's a whole nother uh, uh, subject to tackle. Uh, we've just learned, you know, that in the last week that Becky Hill's son has come under wiretapping charges and they confiscated Becky Hill's phone. Uh, so that is that is more for us to mm -hmm. talk about. We are not done, guys. Uh, you can forget that Murdoch fatigue. You got yeah. you got work to do. <laughs> You got work to do, but as it, well, my last point was, Harputlian did say, even if we have a February, you know, and even if we, this evidentiary hearing goes to the defense, and you know, to what they're hoping for, which would be a retrial of the double murders, um, he said it could, he said it could easily be two to three years, which I was kind of surprised at. Before it would come back. Before to court. we'd see another uh, murder trial, he said, "Oh, it could be me. two or three years." Yeah, I'm thinking more like a year after that. I mean, yeah. Craig made it clear that he would re-prosecute if it were overturned. He made that clear yesterday. So they could, they could actually say, no, we're going to go ahead and get this they done. They could push it, but I think he's right. It's a, it, it was a monumental prosecution to bring together. Yeah. So it will take some time, as well as for the defense, it took a lot of time. So I do think a longer period of time perhaps would occur, but I'm thinking more like a year, year and a half. The new judge, 
whoever gets it, it let's say it is overturned. That's very hypothetical. But it is overturned. I'm assuming that same judge will keep it, and he'll he or she will be in charge of setting the uh, the timetable. Schedule. Table. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's really not their choice. Hmm. Um, the it, yeah the information about Jeff Hill, Drew. Is there anything you want to touch on before we go, or is this something we're going to have to dig into later? We, for right now, we have no, we have no information whatsoever to necessarily suggest that it is in any way directly tied to the accusations against his mother, the clerk of court, Becky Hill. And again, those accusations, the state has made clear that they find the substance of those accusations to be largely unfounded. Uh, which are the impetus for mm -hmm. the request for the retrial. Mm -hmm. um, we don't know what it's about. Uh, we, it's, it's, it's a, for right now, it's a, an extraordinary coincidence and an alarming coincidence. There's still a lot to be uncovered yeah, there and peeled back. Just a coincidence. Uh, did you know that her son worked for the clerk? I, I didn't for know. The I, county? I, I did not. I oh, yeah. did not actually know that she had a son. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 or that was old enough to work for the county. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 again, I, I knew Becky uh, prior to this, and I, I, yeah, I knew other members of her family, but I, I did not know hmm. she had a son and where uh, it worked. Just a side note, I don't know if you saw him, Drew, but Neil Gordon was there, who was the co-author with Becky Hill. He actually decided to come to the sentencing hmm. yesterday, um, and I saw him kind of wandering around, hmm. uh, checking out the scene a little bit, which I thought was I thought was interesting. Well, we certainly will keep you up to date on everything that's going on with this case. I do want to go out on a couple of um, moments mm -hmm. with the victims and their attorneys mm -hmm. that I'd like everyone to hear. We could never explain it as well as they did. I agree. Um, the way they expressed their grief over what happened and finally being able to tell the world why this hurt them so badly, mm -hmm. whether it was losing a loved one or trusting in a friend that they thought was going to be there for them. Right. Um, I, I'd like to leave today with some of their thoughts that they were able to, um, to share with the whole world yesterday. So thank you for joining us today on Unsolved South Carolina, the Murdoch's Murders Money and Mystery. I'm Ann Emerson, Charlie Condon, Drew Tripp. Thank you very much. And we will be sure to be back with you very soon. You remember making a comment to me after I found out, after we discussed the possible amount this lawsuit was worth, and you made a comment to me, and you said, don't spend all this money foolishly. Tell me what you did with $20 million that you stole. Part of it being mine. And you know, I'm sitting there crying. I want everybody to the judge. I need you to know. I'm not crying because of what he stole from me. I'm crying for what he did to everybody in the soup. These kids... These people dying. I didn't want to come up here and bash you, but I got to ask you, what kind of animal are you? 
I can't even I can't even go over my notes. I'm not here to be your judge. Ultimately, that belongs to the good Lord and Savior. But may he have mercy on your soul. When all this came about, Paul, Paul, and Maggie, I couldn't believe it. I didn't believe it. But after sitting here today and hearing some of the devious things that you did to people, these victims here, changed my mind, bro. Once again, I ask you, what kind of animal are you? Boy, I gave you my all. I would do, the money you stole from me, you could have asked me for it and I would have gave it to you if that's how I felt about you and your family. And because of what you did to me, I thank God for giving me strength to get through what I went through. Because without God, I wouldn't be here. And to you, Alex Murdoch, I never thought that you would betray me and did me and my family the way we did, the way we was done at a vulnerable time in our life, at our lowest estate. We was in a terrible motor vehicle accident. And you just took us for granted. But all I want to say to you, is I forgive you from my heart. On this day and forevermore, my prayers and endeavors should be with you, and God bless you. Mr. Murdoch, it's, it's been years since my mother, Blondell Gary, had passed in an ambulance accident on Old Sheldon Church Road. Um, when when he took the case, I um, I just tr I trusted you. I really trusted you, like a lot. Like I had I had a lot of faith in you, because my friend Miss P, she had she had told me about you, and so I entrusted you. But you know what? Today. I thank God, you know, God gave me this time just to tell you that I forgive you. I forgive you. And I hope and pray that you would look to him and ask him truly in your heart to forgive you of everything that you have done, all of your sins, because what you did to all of the families is just so wrong. It's wrong. So just ask him. Just, just, just ask him to forgive you. I forgive you. Okay? Just know that I do. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Um, and I think it's very fitting for today. It's that fairy tales don't tell children that dragons exist. Children already know that dragons exist. Fairy tales show children that dragons can be slayed. Um, this entire criminal justice process, uh, not even thinking about the civil stuff, the criminal justice process, this has been the fairy tale. Today is such an important day because these victims 
their loved ones, the community members, everyone knew that dragons existed. They've seen it. They watch TV, they read the newspaper. Everybody knew that dragons existed. Today, this sentence, Your Honor, will show all of them that dragons can be slayed. And that is important in our society. My clients, the victims, understand that this entire ordeal for a lot of people, uh, not just in our communities in South Carolina, across the planet, this entire ordeal has been very entertaining to them. But for a lot of people, this has been one of the worst nightmares, the worst fairy tale that anybody could ever actually have to live. And it needs to come to an end. There is a degree of value in finality. There is a degree of value for not just these victims, but uh, these communities and the criminal justice system to be able to actually see the dragon be slayed in this courtroom and sentenced to prison for what will effectively be the rest of his natural life. It's no secret how tough SCDC is. And I don't think any decent person celebrates the downfall of another living, breathing human being, particularly somebody that they knew. But it's necessary. This has been a horrible, tragic, sorrow-filled fairy tale. Ellick, you're a broken person. I don't think you're going to lie in bed at night and have people come to you. I don't think that those people matter. And I don't know when that happened. But clearly it happened where you matter more. And I feel bad for you as a result of that. I knew Paul and Maggie. I knew you. A lot of people thought they knew you. Clearly we didn't. I don't think you've always been this way, but somewhere along the way, you became broken. And you've justified it, and he's justified it every step of the way. But by any way of looking at what happened here, the people we represent are not victims. They are prey. And, and that man across the courtroom, by any measure, is a predator. And when I say to you that these folks represent the best of us, and I look across the aisle and I see Alec there, who was once a contemporary of ours, uh, all I can think to myself is for all the, the power, the privilege, the entitlement that he was born into, that, I mean, for God's sake, all that was ever asked of the man is that you wake up and be Alec Murdaugh every day. To have taken it so afoul is, is hard to reconcile. He's made his behavior complicated, but we figured out what he's done. <coughs> He's tried to hide his true nature from us, but we figured out who he is. So the only question we're left with is why? And I'll suggest to the court this answer. It doesn't matter, because the only person who can answer that question is Alec Murdoch, and he's demonstrated himself to be quite the cunning liar.